Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a Schedule you can bet on. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Fantastic! They did a did a heck of a job, and you know I just uh, I, 
I just want to give kudos to the entire uh, FFPC staff. Uh, they all did a wonderful job, and Thursday was awesome as well. Friday we played golf, uh, and then Friday after playing golf, uh, had the bright idea to go ahead and draft. So uh, the team itself, uh, we, we we come out okay. You know, we ended up not doing very well as far as uh, after week one, but uh, the event itself, uh, the event for, uh, coming up to the draft, and then the draft itself, and then, you know, watching the games, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun meeting some people that uh, I'm only used to meeting on the message boards and things like that. Uh, so it was uh, it was a lot of fun just to uh, meet everybody and can't wait to get reconnected uh, next year because it was a ball, Scott. It was just an absolute ball. And anybody that hasn't done it, uh, you know, you you got to do it. you you got to you just have to do it. It was, it was that much fun. 347-324-5404 is the number. I heard I sounded a little distorted uh, using the Skype login, so we're going to go ahead and go back to the phone line. Mike, do I sound a little better? Yes, absolutely. Sound much better, and uh, more of you and less of me is uh, probably, a, a, you know, does make the show better. So I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I might have to step in for a while. But, uh, yeah, you sound much better. Good. 347-324-5404. We are back live on the Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.FM, streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, bringing you fantasy sports action, all you can handle, all you can take. We do also stream live on iTunes Radio, Mike. Uh, This thing is blowing up. Uh, What started as a little podcast is turning into something uh, that we, we, we weren't expecting, uh, the Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.FM. This is the Red vs. Blue Radio Show brought to you by Fantasy Players Association. Our special guest tonight is Eric Baltman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. You just uh, listened to <clears throat> Dave and Eric uh, break down all of the action. And, Mike, the Las Vegas experience was just tremendous. The Fantasy Football Players Championship um, we the, the National Fantasy Football Championship, the new upstart, uh, the, the the Fantasy Football World Championship. There's a, there's just a lot going on in Vegas these days. The sports books are packed. The it's be, it's better than ever. And yeah. I, I'll tell you what, we have to start right now with what we saw in Week One. That's going to affect us in Week Two. No reason to really look back. I mean, look, we did have the Ogletree moment in on Wednesday night that that caused so much fun and hilarity throughout the Vegas experience, right? Every time you heard Ogletree, you know, somebody's right. getting to put a 30-round spot on somebody, uh, and you're getting a 30-point a thirty point guy in, in round six. And so that makes a big difference in these high-stakes leagues because we do draft after that first game. And so Ogletree was a popular name, Mike. Everybody went ahead and got him in those leagues. If you drafted early, you had to pick him up on waivers and spend quite a bit of money. The question is now, what do we do with him? Uh, can we can we get him in the lineup for for guys that are of marginal uh, similar talent? Somebody like a Darius Hayward Bay, somebody like a Danny Amendola. These are the questions we're getting, and it's very tough to have a, a definitive answer, Mike. What do you think? You're a Cowboy fan. Give the give the give the crowd and the listeners. We got the crew here at Red versus Blue. Give them some takes on Ogletree. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think uh, I think Ogletree deserves that second chance, or not second chance, but that uh, that look. Uh, 
as far as spending a lot of money on a waiver wire, uh, me personally, I didn't do it because how many times have we seen this happen in the first week or two where somebody just explodes and then the next two, three, four, five weeks does basically nothing. Uh, you know, Dallas is going up against uh, Seattle this week at Seattle, and the over and under is 42 and a half. That's a pretty low number for a guy that scored that many fantasy points. So, especially against a pretty decent secondary. So, I'm not saying that Ogletree is, is uh, flashing the, in the pan just for one week, uh, but I would definitely not spend a lot of waiver bar money, and I would, uh, you know, I, I just can't put my, all my eggs in one basket based on that one week on what Ogletree did because Des Bryant and those other guys, especially when Jason Witten is going to be fully healthy, Ogletree's not going to be that first option. I mean, he's going to be your third. He's going to be your third option at best. And and not to mention Scott that uh, Demarco Murray. I mean, he looked like a beast. So I don't know. It just it just tells me that Ogletree. That's fine. That's all good and well. But I'm not sold on uh, on spending a lot of money on him on waiver wire. The snap counts, I don't have them in front of me. I did look at them earlier this week. They were a little low for Ogletree. I, I like to see those guys that have the high snap counts. It's very interesting. You know, we watched the Cincinnati game, and we saw this kid. Um, what the heck was his Hawkins. name, Mike? The uh, Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins. He, he yeah. looked like the next Darren Sproles. Either he's five foot seven. He was lightning fast. He's running all around the field. But then you look at the snap counts and you're like, wow, okay, Armin Benz is still getting two and a half times more snaps than this guy is out on the field. So the question is, will he be able to duplicate that? I I, I do think that early in the season, you know, it, it's okay to take those flyers, though. These are the guys that uh, – I was talking to my good friend Wayne Ellis earlier today on the road, and, and I said, you know, he passes the eye test. That kid looks fast. And we we need to give him a chance. You need to you need to go ahead and put a bid on him somewhere around the the 150 mark. I think should get him, uh, and that's an expensive bid. But for somebody that with his kind of speed, and we saw what Darren Sproles did to defensive coordinators last year. People are you know that coaches. This is the copycat league. Coaches are looking to imitate that. And sure enough, we have the Randall Cobbs coming out, and now we have this kid from Cincinnati coming out. These types of players. Are, are making a difference and, and kind of wreaking havoc for these these head co- these uh, defensive coordinators. So, uh, Mike, when when you saw him, like I said, he passes the eye test to me. And with AJ Green being doubled, you really only have Gresham and Green to throw to. They've got to have somebody else. What do you think about this kid? Yeah, you know, I mean, he just uh, he's electrifying, and they, they've obviously done done their homework uh, in training camp uh, throughout. Uh, you know, exhibition games just whenever uh, they can. But, you know, I, I think I think this kid's going to be fine because that's, you know, he, he is going to have an opportunity. And then next thing you know, if you're an A.J. Green owner, if you're a Jermaine Gresham owner, you, you're licking your chops because you're thinking, okay, well, cool. I mean, that's going to free my guy up now because that's going to give Cincinnati a few more options. I mean, Cincinnati's a seven-point favorite. When, when was the last time they were a seven-point favorite? Home, road, I don't care. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's just kind of crazy that they might have a lot of options to go with. And so not only does Hawkins, you know, make himself more valuable, but it does make A.J. Green owners 
you know, it makes him more valuable as well. Yeah, you know, th- this is an overreaction league and in the NFL. I always look for those bounce-back games. We saw it from Green Bay. They bounced back. Chicago, everybody overreacted on them playing against the Colts. Yeah. They come in there against a real team, and, and Green Bay really hands it to them. That's karma right there. Jay Cutler opens and runs his mouth. That's <laughs> fantasy karma, too. You know, that's what you get. Uh, so yeah. I look for those types of things. Cleveland had a terrible first week. They actually played pretty respectable defense. You know, on Philadelphia, Philadelphia couldn't do much for most of the game. Cleveland almost had them down. They just didn't get the get the win, right? But and and I know Whedon looked horrible, but you know what? Cromarty, Dominic Rogers, Cromarty's out there. You got Osimo out there, a, a hellacious secondary. You know, given given that kid fits Whedon, so I don't really expect a lot. I I think that Cincinnati did play well, about as well as you could play if you're Cincinnati against that Baltimore team that looked tremendous. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Cincinnati minus seven, like you said, that's a lot of points in the NFL, really, for for any team. And for Cincinnati to do that would would be a stretch for me. I I, I definitely am taking Cleveland and the points, even though it's on the road. That's an over-under of 39 is what I have. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what you you stated earlier. Yeah, that's 39 and a half. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, I took took Cleveland last week, and, uh, you know, it was just kind of a – a gut thing, you know, against Philly and not thinking that Philly was going to be right. Uh, but I want to look back on uh, last night's game uh, as a fantasy owner. You know, if, if you're a fantasy owner and you didn't have a single Green Bay or Chicago player on your team, you've got to be a real happy camper right now. Yeah, absolutely. That was a – murderous game to watch, especially for um, Brandon Marshall and Jay Cutler owners. If you were Aaron Rodgers owner, you were devastated throughout sure. the game. You're thinking to yourself, man, I spent a first or at the at worst second round pick on Aaron Rodgers and look at what it's getting me. And you have to think to yourself, you know, Aaron Rodgers will get his, but the first two matchups, San Francisco and Chicago, those are two tough matchups. He will definitely get his, but at the end of the day, you hate to see somebody spend that early of a pick on a quarterback. Uh, like Aaron Rodgers, and then not get rewarded to some extent. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest for the evening. Let's go ahead and have some fun. I mean, we need to have some fun on this show. We're bringing in Eric Balkman, Crafty Balky from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. What's going on, my man? Oh, you just uh, just left the uh, Pepsi Max Studios listening to you guys uh, talk about uh, Andrew Hawkins and, and the Bengals and, and the like, and uh, so excited to be back on uh, Red versus Blue. Right. Show me the money! <laughs> <laughs> Eric, we had a we had a, a ball and a blast with you guys in Vegas, man. It's always a great time being uh, being with you guys, hanging out at the sports book, kicking back, drafting pretty much nonstop. You know, for about four days straight there, we we, we drafted a Thursday, and I don't remember. I just remember Monday. I'm on a flight home after that. You know, and it was it was one of those weeks. We had a, a, a hellacious time. Tell everybody about yourself. You are now. Um, obviously rocking the high stakes fantasy hour on Friday nights and you're also involved with the FFPC. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did some work for the FFPC. I, for those of you people who played the football guys players championship or the FFPC, uh, I probably, uh, commissioned one of your online drafts. Uh, I know, uh, myself and Kevin English, uh, did about 300, some of them together. So chances are you're probably in one of our drafts. So I did a lot of that. Um, we, we shot a, a film, a, sh- a short documentary film out in uh, Vegas for the, for the FFPC of which I may or may not be the star, depending upon how, 
uh, kind or cruel the editors decide to be to me. Uh, but I'm doing that. And that, but the biggest thing that I'm very excited about is uh, is the fantasy players uh, uh, fantasy baseball players championship, uh, which we're uh, going to be rolling out here soon. We'll have more announcements coming up uh, in the next, uh, I would say, two to three weeks. But uh, we want to get drafts started on that as soon as the season ends. Um, and uh, more to follow on that, but that's really what uh, I'm most excited about. Probably my biggest, the biggest hat that I wear uh, with the F- FFPC is, is is the baseball commissioner one. That sounds that sounds great, Eric. You know, uh, we had a chance to talk a little bit in uh, Vegas about that, and uh, you know, I know there's so much work to be done about that, but uh, you know, I just want to uh, I just want to thank you for uh, spearheading that and just continuing to uh, move forward with it. Uh, uh, we had a lot of fun in Vegas, had a lot of fun talking about uh, talking about the football and everything. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the baseball and, uh, you know, what's in store. But I got some, uh, got some other things that I'm going to send to you that might help that out. It might help some uh, other people in the industry to help understand what uh, fantasy baseball and high-stakes fantasy baseball is all about. I'm this sorry, is, I'm sorry uh, Mike. You, Red versus you Blue High Stakes uh, Fantasy Show. We've got Scott Atkins and Michael Trent here. Eric Baltman is our guest from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. Eric, tell everybody real quick, uh, you were in Vegas uh, for the FFPC. You did several drafts, a lot of big ones. Um, what, what types of uh, what types of teams did you get out there? Are you happy? Are you a little down? Do you feel like you nailed it? What's going on week one? Well, I didn't. I didn't myself. I did not draft any teams. I proxied for for a few uh, for a few uh, online guys out there. I didn't draft any teams myself. Um, I did. Uh, you know the you know the real Leroy and you know Kurt Aw. Uh, those guys uh, I flew out to Vegas with, so I was definitely rooting uh, for those guys. They had three main event teams. Um, they had uh, they they were in a couple of DEs. They were in uh, the Super Sat uh, that went off uh, out there. So I felt like you know looking at their teams, I you know I felt like and here's the thing, Scott. This is the biggest thing I I, I really took from the weekend. A lot of people got a little crazy in the football guys drafts and the FFPC satellites leading up. I would say the last two or three weeks. Um, up until everybody went out to Vegas, guys, you know, sleeper guys that were going, you know, two or three rounds, but you know, before they they should have. I'm talking about like Eric Decker going crazy high. Uh, you know, I saw Jimmy Graham go number one overall in a draft. You know, I mean, just crazy stuff like that. Julio Jones going in like the top five or six picks. The one thing I noticed at the drafts out in Vegas is that those guys kind of came back down to earth a little bit, and the ADP kind of reverted to what it was like. Um, you know, in like early August, I, I think that was the biggest thing I noticed. So there were sleepers to be had again. Um, the, the injured guys fell a little bit, which I think we've seen every year. But there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really good teams out there, and it is going to be an exciting season uh, to see how the waiver wire and injuries uh, shape those teams. It definitely is, and the waiver wire was something we had to pay attention to this week. Uh, we had Dennis Pitta was a, was kind of a breakout player there for Baltimore. We saw what Joe Flacco is all about, Eric. We have this team uh, that we, we've always thought was a conventional run first, pass second offense is coming out, and Ray Rice isn't touching the ball nearly as much. And he's, still, he, he's actually going to be a lot more productive from what we can tell, but he, and he's dropping back. When you watch that Baltimore game, uh, what were your thoughts on that and, and, and seeing what Joe Flacco could do with, with Bolden and Torrey Smith and these tight ends? Well, you know, it's it's interesting to bring that up because that I was I was actually watching that game 
Uh, and this is just a little story about myself. So the fantasy analysis is coming, people. Just hang on one second. Let me get this out. I, I was just chilling with uh, uh, Cornfins, Jeff Tiervasi, Real Leroy, Dave Gerzak, and Kurt Awe in the Bellagio Sportsbook, and we were watching the uh, the games out there. Um, and who sits next to us but Brent Musburger, which was awesome. And uh, and so, you know, I they got a photo with him, talked to, to him a little bit. He was on the Ravens um, that night, and, and I, after Bolden scored that touchdown, uh, I saw him fist bump one of the guys he was sitting with. So I knew he won a lot of money in the Ravens. I had the Bengals, which was unfortunate, and that was the only one I missed that night. I hit the totals in both games, and I hit uh, the uh, the late game. I had the Chargers. Um, so I guess the moral of the story is don't bet against Brent Musburger because he'll destroy you. But getting back to the fantasy analysis uh, <laughs> of things, game, I mean, like, I'm telling you, I, and we, we kind of knew going in. I mean, I kind of thought, like, you know, it seems like every year Joe Flacco, they say, well, we're, we're really going to let him in this offense loose this year. We're, we're going to let him go up and down the field with Smith and Bolden and, and Pitta and Dixon and Ray Rice is going to catch 80 balls. It seems like we hear that every year, but it never really happens. I just had a feeling this year, this is going to be the year that, you know, they're going to go no huddle and they're going to go crazy and they're, and they're going to go, you know, this high octane passing offense. And I don't think we saw it um, to, to its full extent week one, but I think we're going to uh, as the season goes on. I still think Ray Rice is going to be a huge part of that, but I expect a big year from uh, from Torrey Smith. Um, I think Anquan Bolden probably has one decent season left in him. And, and Dennis Pitta, I mean, like, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but my God, did he look good in week one. He did. And, and Mike, we were talking about this earlier today, uh, the Dennis Pitta, uh, you know, uh, the comparisons that were coming out, you know, with all you always get all the names thrown out there, the Gronkowski's and this and that. They've they've compared Kyle Rudolph to him, and and you're starting to hear that kind of talk now. That dual tight end, the, the offense is really like this when they can throw the two tight ends and a couple of wideouts out there and, and, and do no huddle. Joe Flacco was one play away from being a Super Bowl quarterback, so it's nice to see them. He's in a contract year, and he's and he's, and he's going for that big payday. So I think we're going to see more of the same. I do think that Torrey Smith. As talented as this kid is, right, I, I almost feel like he's being a little bit – he was a little bit overdrafted, Eric. I mean, I really liked him. I picked him up in one of the uh, super stats there in Vegas. But I almost, after watching the game, I'm like, man, this kid is a one-trick pony. He's that deep threat, that, and he can catch the deep ball, but does he have the rest of the game to really go with it so that he can be a constant, you know, five, six catch type guy every week? Yeah, and and I think uh, the the thing the the prevailing and this is just my opinion on it um, the prevailing view on the whole Tory Smith thing. There are a lot of guys that were going right around Tory Smith that have that have done it before that that have been proven. I mean, guys like Dwayne Bow, Reggie Wayne. I mean, if you're taking a receiver there, you're probably going to be more comfortable taking a guy who's who's had like a thousand yard season, who's had like an eight touchdown season. Well, Tory Smith hasn't done that, uh, and I think if you're of the gambler type and, and you're trying to win 200,000 and you're like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe Torrey Smith is, maybe this is the year he just goes crazy, gets 80 balls for 1200 yards and, and 10 or 11 touchdowns. You know, I think, I think that's not a bad thing to bet on there. I, you know, could he not break through the season? Sure. I mean, is it possible that, uh, that we don't see him running anything underneath because Pitta and Dixon and Bolden and Rice and, and they're taking that and they just want Smith to go deep. Yeah. I mean, 
that's certainly possible. But I think when you have a guy as talented as Torrey Smith, as pedigreed as he is, they had to give up or they, they used such a high draft pick on him. I really think that they want him doing more than just, you know, running down the field uh, on the nine route all the time. So, you know, maybe we didn't see it week one, but I do think it's coming. I do think that, that we're going to see him run all the routes on the route tree and really become a big time uh, receiving force in the AFC North. Eric Boltman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour is our guest. Eric, give us a sleeper of the week, somebody who didn't perform week one, but you will. You think they will week two. There's a lot of games to choose from here. I see a lot of options that, that could be thrown out. Uh, do you have any sleepers for us? Yeah, I mean, I would say a guy who, who kind of struggled uh, week one um, that I think is going to go Boffo in week two is Cam Newton. I mean, the, the, the total on that game has got to be out of this world. I mean, it could be it, – it, honestly, it could be a higher total than, you know, some of the old-time uh, or some of the uh, the current uh, Pac-10 games we see in college football. It's just, just going to be a big-time shootout. And I think Cam's just going to go crazy that week – or this week. So I think he's the type of guy where – you know, it may, you, you probably took him. If you took him, you probably took him in, like, the fifth or sixth round in, like, a FFPC main event. You're pulling your hair out like, oh, my God, I can't believe I took a quarterback then and he played like this. But I think this is the week where we see the Cam Newton of old. You know what? Yeah, that, that total is uh, 51 and a half right now is what I have it at, Mike. Is that what, hey. you're, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, that, that's what I see as well. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that uh, – I, I think that could happen uh, also. Uh, Cam Newton uh, – He's sitting on a big game, so, uh, you know, I can see that happening as well. Drew Brees. I have my sleeper of the week, and, I, Mike, I don't know if you prepared one, but my sleeper of the week this week is Greg Little against Cincinnati, a guy that didn't catch a single pass. It's got to get better, right? I'm, I've got I've got a hit on this one, man. Uh, but – when I looked at the game logs and I and I saw what he's against, he's, he has they have great corners, they have awesome safety help in Philadelphia. You know when you've got these guys, uh, Cromartie, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, and then uh, Awesome Wall. What what can you really ask Whedon to do to try to get the ball to Greg Little? They have to get him the ball. They have to start feeding Trent Richardson. Richardson looked like he was kind of in the mud last week. He kind of really didn't look as fast as he normally looked. So I think he's going to get a little bit on track his second game. And I think that this uh, this weed things have to get better for him and Greg Little. Greg Little is a heck of a player. We saw what he could do last year. It's not like he's just going to disappear. The interesting thing there is that on the snap counts, Muhammad Masakwai was out there a whole bunch that game, uh, more than Josh Gordon. So for those of you looking for that Josh Gordon connection right now, I'm not so sure the snap counts really support any kind of breakout coming. He's going to have to do something big. Now, he is capable. He can make that big play, a la like a Kendall Wright or something like that, make a big play and then earn more playing time. But he's going to have to do it on limited snaps unless somebody gets injured. So uh, that's my sleeper. Mike, do you have one? Yeah, you know what? I, it's kind of a weird sleeper, but uh comes from the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. I see Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis scoring two touchdowns, and that oh. that can be very uh, very beneficial uh, as a uh, fantasy owner, uh, do you want him? I mean, the Bengals are a seven-point favorite against Cleveland. The over-and-under is 39-and-a-half, which tells me that somebody's going to score points in this game, and based on what both teams did last week, how did they come up with 39-and-a-half? Well, I think Cincinnati's going to score quite a few points, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Cleveland. So, I mean, I know that's a weird sleeper. That might be your RB2 uh, or 3. But Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis is someone that I would look at. 
Yeah, Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden suspended, right, Eric? And and so that that's going to mean that uh, AJ Green's going to have a big big day. Yeah, that Cleveland defense in in, in general is it, it's not very good. I mean, it, it's it's actually decent against the run. I, you know, maybe a little bit above average, but yeah, I mean, like guys like Green and, and Gresham, I really like this week too. And and even and even uh, Andrew Hawkins too. I mean, I, I think Andy Dalton's in for a really solid week. And, and this could be what we see from Cleveland uh, this year. Is is they're the uh, they're the um, the team that everybody batters upon every single week. You know, Trent Richardson um, practiced fully. I saw this week he's going to be a full go. But again, I think missing so much preseason, I, I just wonder when he catches up with the curve. And, and and you know, Greg Little, how he had no catches last week, just boggles my mind. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati passing game. If you got a Bengal pass catcher, start him this week. All right, Eric Baltman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. Give us somebody we should sit. Somebody that. Maybe it still has your attention. You you want to put in your lineup, but you're here to tell us. You know what? Don't buy the hype. Go ahead and put him back on the bench. Jay Cutler. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Eric. I I just had to bust in. It was one of my moments. Okay. He said he said Jay Cutler. I, I, I I'm Jay familiar Cutler. with those. Yes, Jake. Jay Cutler, if you can go back in time and sit him, please do. I wish I had that opportunity, but until uh. You know, I, I, I get a good old Doc Brown from Back to the Future on the phone. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, a guy I would sit this week that I think people um, drafted him to be a starter, and this is, a, I mean, a little bit of cheating, I guess, but I think given that how good Sean Green was uh, week one, he gets 90 yards, he gets a touchdown, um, I think people are like, oh, maybe this is finally the year. Maybe this is finally the year that, that Green gets that, you know, that big 1,200-yard, 12-touchdown year. And, and I, you know, I just I really don't think too highly of Buffalo's um, run defense. And, and I think it took, you know, it took 27 carries or whatever to get 90 yards. Well, he's on the road in Pittsburgh this week, folks. And, and things, I mean, that's like night and day. So I, I look at him as a guy, like if you were starting him as your number two or or uh, um, you know your flex back that you know last week I, you got to have a better option than him and quite frankly if you don't you might as well not submit starting lineups for the rest of the year because your team's done. Yeah, good good points, man. I I'm gonna pick Titus Young at San Francisco. Here's a kid that uh, w- has all about high expectations to be the number two receiver in Detroit. That seems like a lot of fantasy points there to be scored. I really like the kid on a dynasty perspective, but not this week. We he, he's still making the dumb decisions. That's what Jim Swartz said after he headbutted the, the the Rams kid there in week one. And he was benched. He benched him after that play, and he finished with like two fantasy points. So he should improve this week, but he, his playing time could be limited as far as disciplinary concerns, and that makes him a risky fantasy option. And you're talking about the San Francisco 49ers. They have a stellar secondary. They can make it a very difficult matchup for Young. So I'm not looking forward to uh, putting Titus Young in the lineup in those leagues that I own him. I'm also curious about what people are doing with Justin Blackman after that dismal performance week one. Man, this is a kid that everybody was taking around, like you said, Eric, the Reggie Wayne area. Here's a guy that was totally underrated, uh, you know, knowing that Andrew Luck's going to be behind and throwing the ball. And and you're taking people are taking Justin Blackman hoping that he would be a Reggie Wayne, you know? I mean, well, you've got Reggie Wayne right in front of you, so why do that? But this is a tough matchup. Uh, you know, if it's Houston, they, they have a, a tremendous defense. They held the Dolphin wide receivers to like 10 fantasy points combined last week. So we expect the Jags to, to do a little better. But Houston's defense, they're swarming. And, and, and I have to see Blackman prove himself before starting him at anything more than a number three wide receiver. Mike, do you have a uh, sit-em? Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, Doug Martin. 
Whoa. I don't I don't see uh, I don't see much happening with the, the Tampa Bay offense against the Giants. Uh the Giants wow. they're really uh they're, they're pretty upset about what happened and uh they, they don't like losing to Dallas. Uh even though the defense gave up a lot of uh, rushing yards to DeMarco Murray. Uh but I still don't see a... Oh, please continue. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he, he does, he does, it's about that time. It's about 1130, so that, that's about time. I, I really think uh, I, I, I've already checked off the Giants as uh, giving up seven, and I've already checked off the Giants the under 44 because this game is going to be all New York all the time. Eric, what are your thoughts on benching Doug Martin? Um, okay, I'm going to look at this from the perspective of uh, something that something that I don't hear in the show often, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to answer this and defend my Trent's uh, argument here for Doug Martin. Okay, um, so Tampa still has the I mean they pay all that money for Vincent Jackson. Uh, they could this could be a shootout type game. Um, I know that they want to, um, you know, not run. There's a there's a report this week that, you know, Doug Martin had 28 touches last week, and I know Shiano doesn't want to pound him in the ground like uh, John Gruden did to another Tampa Bay running back, and Cadillac Williams basically ruined his career. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Maybe they, 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 they bring him in a little bit, and they don't let him touch the ball as much. Um, but I'll say this. If you're benching Doug Martin – uh, this week, you, you you probably have a pretty pretty dominant team, so you, you can probably afford to do it this week. I don't. I, I'll say this: I'm not as good as Mike Trent, so I am not good enough to to sit Tug Martin this week. Like I'm not good enough to draft a team like that. But hey, Mike got his uh, FFPC main event team paid for by by killing it in Kentucky. So who am I to talk? He did. Yeah. He, he did. He was sitting on yeah. in Vegas for free on the backs of the Kentucky players. Well, so. It's just so very tough with, to bench a guy like that. I mean, I mean, really, Eric and uh, Scott. I mean, you know, you're asking for for a guy that I would bench. Uh, you know, that, that just came out at me because I've got three or four other running backs, and it just I, it fits the spot. And I might not see myself starting Doug Martin. But I was just looking for like an Andre Roberts, you know, or something, or like, or like a Kyle Rudolph, you know, or maybe a Kobe Fleener, you know. Something Gee, anybody could do was... that. <laughs> I mean, anybody could bench a Kyle Rudolph. Anybody could bench a Andre Roberts. Anybody could bench that. I, I mean, I'm going for a reach. I mean, I'm I'm getting I'm getting ballsy, I guess. All right, hilarious question from an email or the Red Blue Radio inbox. The real Ron Burgundy emails us. It says, Bulky is a cheap imposter as a reporter, but one heck of a fantasy player. He's the brains of the Gerzak clan. Real quick, Eric, hurting at quarterback, who do you like? Bradford versus Washington, Palmer at Miami, or Russell Wilson versus Dallas? I'll be listening. Thanks. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, uh, if you know me at all, you know that all I do is, is rip things off. You, you listen to the high-stakes fantasy football hour listeners. That's that's all they say I do, and yet they keep coming back for more. So I must be doing something original. Um, but, no, for the, for the quarterback question, um, I, you know, 
Bradford had a good matchup last week and, uh, you know, a solid matchup with the secondary last week, and he didn't really take advantage. Carson Palmer didn't look very good at all. So I'm going to borrow a, a book out of the Mike Trent playbook. Go big or go home. Start Russell Wilson against the Cowboys. I like a bounce-back game for him. I love it. All right, we'll discuss, guys. My uh, Here we've got Stephen Hill or Braylon Edwards from the Twitter. Uh, tweeted us at Red Blue Radio on Twitter. Stephen Hill or Braylon Edwards? Ooh. Ooh. I am probably going to uh, to ride the, the hot hand and go with Stephen Hill and just, you know, again, I, I saw a report that Golden Tate's starting and, and Braylon Edwards might be working in. Well, Stephen Hill obviously has a rapport with Mark Sanchez, and, and you know, I'll ride the hot hand, and until Mark uh, until Stephen Hill falls on his face, I'm, I'm probably still going to be starting him over Braylon Edwards. Mike, I like that philosophy, riding the hot hand. You know, I, I usually never do that. I always want to see two games before I start to ride. You know, it's like Cam Newton. A lot of people last year, he had that big week one against Arizona, and everybody said, oh, that's against Arizona. This is Green Bay coming up. And what did he do? He ended up posting like 403 on those guys, or 404 set a rookie record. So you miss out on those games, but he is definitely a hot hand. Um how the Jets weren't – the Jets were one of the bigger storylines of week one. I mean, obviously, we talked about Ogletree. Peyton looked like Peyton. Uh, we, we talked about Flacco airing it out and scoring 44. Then you had RG3, my pick uh, for the lock of the week or, or the sleeper pick of the week, and they beat the Saints. Uh, but then when, when we when we saw the Jets and Sanchez and Stephen Hill score 48 – uh, I, I really said to myself, man, you have to take a look at this Stephen Hill kid. What, just how special is he? he? The knock on him was always that he couldn't run routes. He wasn't the the, the route tree was very limited in, at college, and he, he 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 doesn't have the best of hands. But the kid is six four, two fifteen, physical specimen, and, and to see him really just make plays, and that's what you, you you need to do as a receiver in that offense because nobody else is there. To see a rookie come in and make plays was pretty spectacular. Now he gets a much tougher task with right. the Steelers. It's going to be very tough. Mike, is that somebody you could throw in there? Uh, no, no, no way. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool that the Jets uh, won uh, in the fashion that they did, but you have to remember uh, they scored a lot of points uh, on field possession. They had great field possession because uh, Buffalo was an F. They were inept in every phase of the game. It, it doesn't matter, offense, defense, uh, special teams. Buffalo was inept. Pittsburgh will not be inept. And I just I can't, I can't do Stephen Hill this week. However, down the road, possibly. But why even uh, Tebow was in there for five, six plays, I have no idea. But, you know, I, that's just my take on that. I, I, just can't, I just can't do that right now. We're talking to Eric Baltman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour and helps out at the FFPC, is going to be spearheading the football guys, I'm sorry, the Fantasy Baseball Players Championship. i got to get that right, the FBPC. So that's going to be uh, something cool for all you baseball freaks out there. Electric Relish is in the chat room here, Eric. You know the chat room at Red vs. Blue. We affectionately call it the crew, some of the best minds in the world of High Stakes Fantasy Football. Electric Relish is in the chat. He asked, is Brendan Myers a deep FFPC sleeper? Five receptions for 61 yards. Uh, I always need to see that one more week. And he, he makes a good point. You know, we have to grab him ahead of the curve. What do you think? Uh, do you know anything about this Brandon Myers kid? I watched the game, but as far as research on Brandon Myers, I don't know a lot about him. 
You know, it, this, uh, it's interesting you bring him up because I, I feel like I am, as far as Wisconsin goes, I'm like president of the Brandon Myers fan club. I, I was really surprised that that uh, more teams weren't on Brandon Myers this uh, first week of uh, of bidding. Um, dude goes five for sixty five. I mean, it, it, Daenerys Morris. Ford is going in for surgery. Um, you know, DHB kind of underperformed. Jaron Crime didn't do much. Who did Kristen Palmer look for when, when Oakland was trying to get back in the game? It was Brandon Myers. Um, and, and you're talking FFPC points there. I mean, that's like 14 points. I, I, I don't know how you can leave a guy like that on the waiver wire. So, um, yeah, uh, you have to be ahead of the You hit the nail on the head, Scott, one week early because there's no way you're a week late. Even if you already have two tight ends, you, I mean, it's it's not a bad guy to, to take a, a, a low risk on. I really like Brandon Myers the rest of the season. Well, we'll give credit to Electric Relish for bringing that up in the chat room. Jonathan Baldwin is another interesting player, guys. He didn't get much action, much love at all. I think he saw a total of seven snaps, and he was in the preseason looking like uh, somebody that was going to be heavily involved. Instead, Dexter McCluster becomes the guy who everybody's after now. Uh, to put plug into the lineup instead of sitting on the bench. He's a guy that's going to be a fixture and a mainstay of fantasy lineups, I think, this year. Again, another in the in the mold of, of Darren Sproles. We're seeing the Cobbs. We're seeing the McClusters. We talked about the Hawkins. But Jonathan Baldwin, I think he's still a hold. I don't, I don't say you give up on him yet. Casey said uh, the Atlanta game, they have these two deep zones, and they were more favorable to the tight ends. It'll be different week to week. They are talking about getting Baldwin back into the game. So, uh, again, 20-man lineups, I think you, you hold him. 18-man lineups, you, you probably go ahead and cut him. Uh, but if it's a 20-man lineup, I think you hold him unless you're just really desperate to take a flyer on somebody else. Baldwin still has huge upside as a player. Remember, he was drafted before, in most fantasy circles, before the Randall Cobbs uh, of last year. And, and so he, he, he has the pedigree, he has the talent. So the question is, will he get the opportunity this year? And look, Dwayne Bowe is... is is uh, known to, to you know have some injuries and get dinged up a little bit, and if that's the case, uh, we, we do think that Dexter McCluster will be heavily involved as a as a move the chains type guy, but for a deep, big physical threat, Jonathan Baldwin fits the mold. So I would tell you to just hold on to him for one more week and see what the coach has to say. Lots of injuries, Eric. Uh, I don't know what to make of a lot of these. Nate Washington, he's questionable with the calf, so that means Kenny Britt is going to get a bigger opportunity now. He's he, he practiced in full, but he's questionable with the knee. I think we're going to see Britt this week, and, and Tennessee's going to need uh, everything they can they can get to get a W this week. Uh, just just like last, they're at San Diego, a six and a half point dog. Uh, Eric, what do you think about putting Kenny Britt into the lineup this week? I you know I I always like getting a ton of receivers on my team, so usually I usually I don't have to reach uh, for receivers, but. I mean, if you get hit with, you know, maybe you had Forte or Fred Jackson and now you need to plug your running back uh, that you had in flex last week, maybe you need to put him in running back. You know, Kenny Britt's like a fine flyer to take, but honestly, if I can avoid starting him, I will. I just, you know, I read that they're going to give him limited snaps. They they kind of want to work him in. I don't think that they're convinced that he's, you know, 100% healthy yet. Um and it just it just could be like um, you know a week where they really just pound the heck out of Chris Johnson like sink or swim, yeah. dude. You're you're our money man. You're either bringing this to us or we got to look for 
big time um, uh, other opportunities on offense. So, uh, and Kendall Wright, don't forget about him. I mean, he could have a big week too. Um, maybe we see uh, a lot of Jared Cook. I know they got a second tight end whose name is escaping me right now, but I know he got a big deal on the off season too. So they they do have other weapons there. Um, until I see Kenny Britt really, you know, getting significant separation from NFL starting corners, I, it's going to be tough for me to send him. So I'm in a holding pattern on him. If I can avoid starting him, uh, I'm going to. You know, uh, if I can, uh, I kind of agree there, uh, agree again with you, Eric. Uh, the reason I do is because uh, Tennessee, uh, they seem like a very similar team as Oakland. And Oakland played San Diego uh, last uh, Monday night. And they pretty much couldn't get much going at all with the passing game. Uh, so I could see uh, Tennessee trying to use uh, Chris Johnson, but not getting much going with the passing game at all uh, against San Diego. So, I mean, I can see it being a very similar type of game to where San Diego will just wear you down, wear you down, and uh, not let you pass at all. And, uh, you know, they're not going to get much out of their passing game whatsoever. We have a situation here where Ryan Matthews is questionable. He still hasn't completed a full practice. Gates should play in that Tennessee-San Diego game. This is a 4 o'clock game, guys, and so if you're sitting on a Matthews and maybe even a Ronnie Brown combo because you backed him up, it's not really doing you a lot of good. Ronnie Brown is not that fantasy relevant. So the questions become, hey, do I put in a a marginal uh, flex player just to maybe get me some points? Uh, so so I would give you an example like, um, you know, maybe a uh, Mercedes Lewis. Uh, you know, somebody like that, or maybe an Andre Roberts in the one o'clock games. If you're faced with that decision versus not knowing the news because it's a four o'clock game with San Diego, Eric, what do you do with this Ryan Matthews? I think um, one thing that I've always found out works for me is if is if you guys watch the um, the early morning player updates um, before the new, the the one o'clock games go off. A lot of times there's kind of a lull about a half hour before the games actually kick off. And in that lull, I think some of these beat reporters and some of the national guys will start, you know, tapping their to find out what's going on with the late game. So I think a lot of times you won't, you'll never get anything definitive, but a lot of times you get an update of the handwriting's kind of on the wall where, where, um, you know, somebody will get a, uh, a, just a feeling like, uh, you know, it does not look good for Matthews at all. Well, then that's usually the cue to sit him and you could start somebody in the one o'clock game rather than, you know, have nobody in the four o'clock. Yeah. Um, depending upon how I, you know, what kind of, if I have Brian Matthews, depending upon the vibe I'm getting, um, you know, with those, with those news updates up until one o'clock, um, depending upon that, I, I think I'm comfy with, you know, rolling with Matthews as my flex and plugging in another guy in there. Um, but if I don't like it at all, I'm like, you screw it. I'm not even going to mess around with it. i got to get points. I'm just going to plug somebody in for the 1 o'clock game. Play. He doesn't even play a full complement of snaps. Maybe he gets hurt again. Maybe the wasn't all the way healed. I mean, there's, there's all these you have um, from an injury like this. And but in, in fantasy baseball, sure, who gets off the DL, I, I never start him right away in that first start off the DL. I got to see it once. And with Matthews coming back, kind of on the early side of the four to six week timetable, I got to see him play one. I'm I'm cool with you know losing out on whatever points he puts up uh, in order to guarantee myself points in the one o'clock games. Yeah. 
Another big story of the NFL weekend was C.J. Spiller, the injury to Fred Jackson. People spent early picks, third and fourth round picks on this guy, and he goes down. He should be back in a couple of weeks, what they say, but C.J. Spiller has already again in one game proven that if he gets the ball, he can handle the load. He's playing a Kansas City team who comes off a really tough loss against Atlanta. This is a team that uh, I I talked about with ESPN. They were a uh, seven and nine team last year, and they were missing out on Matt Castle, Jamal Charles, and one of their best defensive players. And again, the line on the Chiefs was seven wins. And I'm like, you know what? I looked at the schedule. The first four games, the Chiefs are underdogs. So if you're going to bet the Chiefs, which I believe that they can do that seven. You're going to get very good odds, much better odds by waiting three or four weeks here, just a little tidbit, uh, much better odds waiting three or four weeks in. You, you might be able to get them at a 1-3 or an 0-4 start of the season, and you might be able to get, you know, 6-1 to one, uh, on them, you know, possibly, or, or maybe even 10-1 to one to win the division. Much better odds than what you can get right now. So just a little tidbit, but back to C.J. Spiller. This kid, I, I wish I had the just, you know, the – I I was really I, I was really strong on him bullish earlier in the year and I was picking him up everywhere and then I just started noticing that everybody the Fred Jackson love just kept wearing on me and wearing on me and they're like you know he's not going to get the carries it was a clean break of a bone it wasn't a knee injury and it just wore on me and wore on me and then before you know it I just started softening up on Spiller and I'm like well you know he's one of those guys that now instead of Instead of me taking a risk on and grabbing in the fifth like I did at the uh, in, in the pros versus Joes or those earlier drafts, Eric, I found myself letting him slip into that Jaquiz Rogers area, you know, the Kendall Hunter area. He's a much better back than any of those guys, and I, and I think we're seeing that now. Did we lose Eric? No, no, I'm I'm still here. Sorry. Uh, I uh, no, I I think you're you're totally right with the Spiller thing. Um, I think, and I did notice that too. I, I you know, in talking to people, it seemed like Fred Jackson was really um, was really uh, climbing up the boards instead of Spiller, which is weird because like how often do you see thirty one year old running back coming off a major injury? How often do you see you know him? And not the young first-round pick, pedigreed, electric, um, dynamic, explosive running back that can catch the ball. He can, you know, run between tackles. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's great in open space. And, and he was falling. So it's like, why was the guy? Why is the, you know, not ripping on Fred Jackson, but why is the slower, more plot rising draft boards um, and Spiller is falling? Is it just because Jackson's the starter? Well, that doesn't make any sense because Spiller's still going to get a ton of touches. I mean, they know where their bread's buttered. They know that Spiller is going to be the man in that offense. So that really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But now that the, the teams that, that were able to scrape up Spiller in, in those mid-rounds where, where he was falling to, I mean, you got a rock-solid top-10 run now for the next month. Mike Adrian Peterson is Mr. Amazing, obviously. He comes to Indianapolis. This is my lock of the week. Indianapolis, a much improved defense, although Chicago did seem to exploit them with that Marshall and Cutler connection. Uh, I don't see the pass rush coming from Minnesota like we did Chicago. That was really the only flaw in the game plan for the Colts. The offensive line broke down. I think they had a really great effort against Chicago in week one, but the offensive line cost luck and and his ability to to be able to uh, get the ball down the field. Indianapolis is a two-point underdog at home. I think that luck gets the Colts their first win of the season in week two against Minnesota, Mike. But Adrian Peterson is definitely the story here. What are your thoughts on AD? 
Okay. Well, first off, uh, all day long, I think it's going to have a very, uh, I think it's going to have a very good day. The over and under is forty-four and a half. Now we're talking about two teams that, uh, you know, on paper should not be that uh, offensive, big-time offensive. I think, I think Luck, I think connects with his receivers. Uh, Kobe Fleener, I expect Kobe Fleener to have a huge day underneath. Uh, against Minnesota's D. I mean, I really think Luck and Fleener will do the same deal that they did at Stanford, uh, you know, all day. Uh, Minnesota, Adrian Peterson, uh, I really expect him to uh, – I think it was, I think he's good for one touch and uh, probably at least uh, 75 to 90 yards rushing. And who knows what uh, receiving out of the backfield. So, you know, when I say that, it kind of – tells me that this game could go under, but uh, I think it's going to be a very close game. I think the spread is spot on. Eric, I'll give you the other side of the coin. Touchdown Ronald uh, Donald Brown uh, came through in a big way with that 18-yard staunch. Uh, he averaged five and a half yards a carry again. He's just not getting the carries. The Bears kind of took him out of the game plan, so to speak. What did you think about Donald Brown and his ability to do something this week against Minnesota? Yeah, I really like Donald Brown. I drafted him basically every chance I could in Kentucky this year. I was setting my Kentucky lineups, and I got Donald Brown on every freaking team. So if that guy, you know, goes down this year, my, he's taking all my teams down with him. But so I really like Donald Brown. Um, I felt like last week, um, you know, because Chicago was just rolling in the first half, that um, that uh, the, the you know the Colts, uh, you know, were really forced to abandon the running game and, and take advantage of of Locke and, and Reggie game, but I'll get involved in the passing game too, so it's not like he, uh, you know, he becomes totally useless when they have to switch to, uh, to um, you know, catch-up mode, but uh, yeah, this week, yeah, I, I think he is a, he's a very, um, he's, a, he's a fringe um, running back to start, um, he's a great flex option if you can flex him out, um, but I, yeah, I think he has a, a really solid week uh, this week, I am with you, I, I think the Colts also get the win. Three four five four zero four is the number. We do have lights in the in the chat room here. We've got uh, Electric Relish for, uh, with a question from Mike: Is life in Kentucky like the show Justified or more like Hell on Wheels from Ko Crew? <laughs> Justified. All right, we've got Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. Uh, Eric, we've got games. Uh, all all o'clock, all one o'clock on New Orleans at Carolina, Cleveland at Cincinnati, Houston at Jacksonville, and Oakland at Miami. Very interesting. Denarius Moore is probable in that game. We haven't seen what this kid could do. A lot of teams were drafting him very very early for where we've seen his uh, for, for where we've seen him go recently. Talk to us about Denarius Moore and his ability to possibly stretch the field there at Miami. Denarius Moore is like I, I I'm not allowed like don't even take anything I say about Denarius Moore with any kind of uh, of of plausibility of or credibility because I have none on Denarius Moore that guy like I was so excited about him when he was a rookie I've heard you know really intelligent people in the in the football industry how great he is and how fantastic uh, his talent is and how athletic he is and how great his hands are. Like my, I'm like, my God, this sounds like the second coming of Steve Smith. He's going to be great in that Oakland offense. And I drafted him all over the place, and he had like two good games last year and was hurt the rest of them or just didn't do anything in the rest of them. So now we're in the same stuff again this year. Oh, you know, that was just 
years, throw it out the window, he's going to be fine. Well, you know what? He's hurt again. And now he's probable in week two. I mean, who knows if he's – I mean, he could be coming back. I really haven't seen him on the field in the preseason at all, so I really don't know what to expect from him. So uh, I just stayed away from him this year. If if you got him on your team, uh, you're probably still not starting him this week because you don't know um, how good he's going to be and how healthy he is. And since there's no buys, you probably have better options because he was going, you know, you got a pretty good bargain on him. And I don't think anybody is feeling pressured to start him this week. There and try to hit a home run. I mean, more power to you. I just think he's going to fizzle out. We have a few minutes left here in the program, Eric. Uh, A few running back sleepers for you. Again, we gave you Donald Brown. Jonathan Dwyer versus the Jets could be a flex option after a solid week one outing. Jacquez Rogers, the more Atlanta throws, the better Rogers will be, especially in these PPR leagues, guys. And Jacquez Rogers is going to have a big game, uh, an opportunity uh, Touch-wise, he was he was over. He had more touches than Michael Turner this week, so and more snaps. So that tells you the changing of the guard is kind of taking place. This team is is establishing itself a new identity with Julio Jones and and Roddy White and, and the people that drafted Julio Jones are looking like uh, they're right. Obviously, things could change. We saw what Brandon Marshall did from one week to the next. It could happen to to Julio as well. But this game, well, Denver stop. at Atlanta, to kind of cap things off after a great week, is going to be something special. I'm I'm looking forward to that game, hanging out here on the Wintergreen Way with the with the boys and the fellas watching this game and, and kicking Nate's tail on Monday night. But Eric, what do you give us a give us a quick rundown on the Denver Atlanta game? That is the game of the week. Did we lose Scott? Eric? Well, Scott, I, I just want to. Go ahead, Mike. I just want to jump in uh, on that Denver Atlanta game because I've been wanting to uh, bend, uh, kind of bend your ear and uh, Eric as well on uh, on Michael Turner, uh, his value. Uh, if he's a second back or your flex, uh, the worst being a one, the best being a ten. You know, where where does Michael Turner fall right now? Uh, he, you know, they're playing Denver. They're at home. The over under is 51, so points are screaming. I mean, it's going to be a lot of uh, Matt Ryan and uh, Julio Jones and, uh, you know, et cetera. But uh, where does Michael Turner fall into the value situation uh, as a se- as your second back or a flex? I mean, one being worse, ten being uh, the best. Wow. Mike, it, i, I got to tell you, we, we, we've only got a couple of uh, minutes left here in the in the show but it's a great question, and a lot of people are asking, uh, email in the Red Blue Radio inbox. He, he, he falls right in there with the Willis McGahees of the world, and, and right now maybe not even as good as the Cedric Bensons. We saw Benson look great. I, I don't think we see that kind of burst from Michael Turner anymore. It's the Jacquez Rogers show, man. I, I really believe that. I think you're going to see a, the occasional touchdown, but does he have the speed to break loose and break free anymore? I'm not so sure it's still there. The burst I, I definitely don't see. Um, but it, it's a game. The Falcons won 40 to 24. Turner failed to contribute. He had 11 carries for 32 yards. He was clearly outplayed by the backup Jacquez Rogers. Uh, although who, he only had 35 total yards. Our, the fear for Turner this season is realized. If just for one game, the Falcons are now a pass happy attack. Turner doesn't fit into that offense, and and he could still find the end zone against the Broncos this week. But in a matchup between Ryan and Manning. I don't anticipate much running. It's hard to bench Turner everywhere, but if you have better alternatives, you might want to keep him reserved. The good news for Turner is he has four touchdowns in his past five home games, so that is something you do want to 
take into account. Oh. Do we have Eric back here now? Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay. I think you've been having some cell phone issues. Eric, it was awesome having you on Red vs. Blue. You know you're welcome on here every t- every t- every Friday night. We love your show on Fridays, the High Stakes Fantasy Hour, you and Dave Gerzak. <laughs> we keep having phone issues with Eric, man. It, the poor guy, man. He lives in Wisconsin. You know, you don't get real good cell service out there. Mikey Trent, we're out of time. Yes, man. It's Red vs. Blue. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck on your teams, Mike. It's, it's winner, it's winner, go home, baby. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. What's up with your best friend? We get all have some fun, believe me. And what's up with these new niggas? And why they think it all comes so easy? Forget it while you here, boy. Cause all that hype don't feel the same next year, boy. Yeah. And I'll be right here in my spot with a little more cash than I already got. Tripping off you cause you had your shot. With my skin tan and my hair long. With my fans who've been so patient. Me and 40 back to work, but we still smell like a vacation. Hate your rumors, hate the bullshit, hate these fucking allegations. I'm just feeling like the throne is for the taking. Watch me take All it. I care about is money in the city that I'm from. I'ma sip until I feel it. I'ma smoke it till it's done. I don't really give a fuck and my excuses that I'm young. And I'm only getting older. Somebody shut I told you I'm on one, yeah, fuck it, I'm on one, yeah, I said I'm on one, fuck it, I'm on one, two white cups that I got that drink, could be purple or could be pink, depending on how you mix that shit, money to be got, I'ma get that shit, cause I'm on one, I said fuck it, I'm on I'm burning purple flowers, it's burning my chest I bury the most cash and burning the rest Walking on the clouds, suspended into net The ones beneath me recognize the red bottoms I wear Burning in the belt, move the kids to the heels Then shorty on the sink, do it for the thrill Kiss you on your neck and tell you everything is great Even though I'm out on barn and might be facing Nate Still running with the same niggas to the decimate Ever seen a million cash, gotta count it carefully Ever made love to the woman of your dreams In a room full of money out in London as she screams Baby, I could take it there Call Mark Jacobs personally to make a pair So yeah we on one, the feeling ain't fair And it's double MG until I get the chill. All I care about yeah. is money in the city that I'm from I'ma sip until I feel it, I'ma smoke it till it's done I don't really give a fuck and my excuses that I'm young And I'm only getting older, somebody should've told you I'm on one, yeah Fuck it, I'm on one Yeah, I said I'm on one Fuck it, I'm on one 
but I got that drink. Could be purple or could be pink, depending on how you mix that shit. Money to be got, I'ma get that shit, cause I'm on one. I still fuck with them all. I walk around the club, fuck everybody. And all my niggas got that heat, I feel like Pat Riley. Yeah, too much money ain't enough money. You know the feds listening, nigga, what money? I'm a maid, nigga. I should dust something. You niggas are on the bench, like the bus coming. <laughs> Ain't nothing sweet but the switches. I'm folks might as well say cheese for the pictures. Oh, I'm about to go. Andre the Giant. You a sellout, but I ain't buying. Chop a dissect a nigga like science. Put an end to your world like the Mayans. It's a celebration, bitches. Mazel tov. It's a slim chance I fall. Olive oil. Don't you be the name. Don't ask me how I got it. I'm killing these hoes. I'm trying to stop the violence. All I care about is money. Yeah. In the city that I'm from. I'ma sip until I feel it. I'ma smoke until it's done. I don't really give a fuck. And my excuse is that I'm young. And I'm only getting older. Somebody should have told you. I'm on one. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm on one. Why is it? I said I'm on one. 